Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. It's a blessing to be a part of Cork Church. I don't know if you feel the same way. I feel that way. I'm blessed to be in this church. My family, we, we all love it here and we miss you. I, I want to say that as well. You know, I'm, I'm standing here. The, the auditorium is empty, but our hearts are full uh, with the love of the Lord for you. Our hearts are full because we miss you. We miss you. And then we know it's the Lord's heart that we'll be together again to worship. And I believe that that's going to happen soon. So ready your heart. Don't, don't give up. Keep trusting the Lord. These things are going to move forward. We're going to be back together and there's going to be a season of fruitfulness. I believe that. There's going to be a season. God is touching people. Bible says in Psalm 110, David, David writes, I believe it's David, he writes, um, the people will be willing, thy people will be willing and the day of thy power. And I believe that this is the day of the Lord's power. I believe that because people are getting saved, folks. People are getting touched by the gospel. People are listening. People are ready. And can you, can you, can you, can we, can we get together right now and agree? I believe that. Can we get together and agree right now that God is able to touch Cork City with the gospel? God's able to do it. He's able to do it. Now, all you have to do is open your mouth and believe that he'll fill it. To, to open your eyes to divine opportunities when they come, because they will come and begin to speak, God will fill your mouth. Don't worry, Bible says, don't worry about what you have to say. Don't worry, don't be fearful. Don't please listen if I'm speaking to you right now and you, you don't think you know enough Bible. Don't worry, you don't have to be Google for God. There's a Holy Spirit, amen? And one of the most refreshing things somebody can hear out of the mouth of a Christian is, I don't know, I don't know. So why don't you think about that? It doesn't mean you stay in that place, go home, study up, learn, find out. But, but we can have honest discourse. And I just believe that. I believe it. And, and I think that there's just a rest coming into the people of God. And when God's people rest, God begins to work. Miracles begin to happen. Amen. They begin to happen. I was just talking the other day, actually, to Pastor Nick about Psalm 131 and about the idea of, um, and I'm just sharing out of my heart. I haven't gotten into the word yet about that idea of um, not, not lifting up your heart or your eyes to things too lofty for you. We, all, we don't all have to be theologians. Amen. Praise God for theologians. We don't, have to, we don't all have to be that way. There is space in the kingdom for simple faith right and God can use simple faith because the psalmist goes on to say rather I've quieted my soul like a weaned child isn't that beautiful do you know I'm challenged now more than ever I'd rather be at rest in the Lord's arms right just like the song says leaning in the arms of the almighty let's leave the big wig stuff to the big wigs you just open your mouth to your next door neighbor the next time you both step out the front door to get your, your newspaper and your pint of milk and you look across and you see each other through the fence, open your mouth, say something. Hey, 
Hey, do you know, I was just thinking of you the other day. I hope you don't mind, but I'm praying for you. Hope you don't mind, but I'm, me and my family, we're praying for your family. Is there anything we can pray for? Is there anything we can do to serve you, to love you at this time? Listen, you might, you may not even be ready to hear this right now. You're out in your slippers and your, your, your house coat, but Jesus loves you. Jesus has a plan for your life. Jesus has a plan for your family and nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is impossible for him. Now it's, there's a breeze, so I'm going to let you go back inside, but you know where I am and you know where I, you knock on that door. Uh, God has got a plan. And so I'm just sharing, uh, but, but, but just before I get into the word, I, I just want to pray because I do believe God has given me just an encouragement. I think he's just sent me here to encourage somebody today. Just encourage somebody. Uh, you know, it's been a long lockdown. It's been a long time. There's been a difficult year. It's over a year now. It's got pushing a year and a half. And some of us, we don't even know ourselves anymore. Uh, we, we, we've thrown around phrases like the new normal. Well, the new phrases like the new normal have become the new normal. That's how deep we are into this thing. But listen, God still has got encouragement for his people. God's word is still here to encourage us. God's word is still here to pour in when we empty out. God, the Bible says is the God of all comfort. He's the God of all comfort and he abounds in comfort to us so that we can comfort others. So God wants to comfort and encourage today. I believe that. Will you just pray with me? Lord, I, I definitely need your grace today. Definitely need it, Lord. But I thank you, Lord. Your, your strength is made perfect in weakness. Your strength is made perfect in weakness. And we just glory in the grace of the gospel. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. You came, you died, you loved us with an, an everlasting love, the word says. And you came and you died on a cross. You bled out for our sins, Lord, to purchase us, Lord, to buy us out of the slave of sin and to seed us in heavenly places, Lord. And we are your people and we have your name. And we have your name. We're not nameless. We have been called out of darkness into your marvelous light, Lord, to proclaim your excellencies, Lord. So would you open our hearts this, this evening, Lord, that our mouths would be able to be opened as well. Open our hearts, open our mouths, open our lives to lost people. Open our, our hearts to your word. God, hide me behind the cross. I pray you would animate me, Lord. I'm, I'm feeling like an old 35. I need you to animate me this, this evening, Lord, but I know you will. And like Pastor Nick said, we're, we're all we're among friends. Hallelujah. What a boast, Lord, in the body, in the kingdom. We are all among friends, Lord. And, and, and help us, Lord, if we are struggling with that fact, help us to get uh, with the program because eternity is a long time to be with someone you don't like. Amen. Amen and amen. And just before I jump into the word, it's really true. Uh, it's really true. Eternity is a long time to be with someone you don't like. That brother, that sister, pick up that phone. Be a peacemaker. Bible says that they're blessed. Ring up, ring up. It's not about who's to blame. It's about peace. All it's going to cost you is your pride. I read a quote the other day. It said, I forgave somebody. I forgave somebody. I let them out of prison and I realized the person in prison was me. Okay, so put that, pick up that phone. I just feel to say that. But we're going to get into the word right now. And I want to talk today about faith. I want to talk today about the battle of faith. And, and God has just given me two verses, two, maybe three verses out of the gospel of Luke. So if you turn with me to Luke 22, verses uh, 31, we'll just start there. 
And I want to talk to you today about the battle of faith. Uh, we are, I think, for a lot of us, um, our faith is being rocked by what is going on. It's hard to look around. It's hard to go on social media. It's hard to look at the world right now and find a lot of reasons to feel secure. It's hard to look out, to log on to everything seems to be unstable. Everything seems to be in disarray. There's pressure right now. There's pressure. And I think that people might, you might be, I might be talking right now, that might be you. You are feeling pressure. And uh, one thing that um, we know about pressure is that it could bring the worst parts of us out. It could bring out the worst parts of us. I'm going to read from Luke and I want to talk today about Peter. I'm going to end talking about Christ. I want to encourage you in the Lord, but I want to talk about Peter. And I don't want to bash on Peter, but Peter really was a man synonymous with personal failure. Whenever Christians talk about Peter, it's never really that complimentary. Do you know, it's not. We, we could be kinder uh, to Peter, but we tend to talk about, you know, he tends to be the guy with his foot in his mouth. He tends to be the guy who gets it wrong more often than he gets it right. But I, what I love about Peter is his humanity. The humanity, the honest faith walk that Peter had before the Lord. And if we're honest, a lot of us are more like Peter than we'd like to admit. We, have, we are well able of making mistakes. We know what personal failure feels like. And I want to jump into the text. I want to jump into the narrative here. And I want to jump in at one of the lowest points in Peter's life. Simon Peter, a man who'd walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He'd seen the miracles. He'd walked on water. He'd seen Jesus feed 5,000, 4,000, raise a widow's son in name. He'd seen Lazarus risen from the dead. What hadn't Peter seen? Beyond that, Peter had walked with Jesus. And, and I often think about the times that aren't recorded in the scriptures. Peter, you know, they would have walked maybe eight hours a day. That's a long time. Peter would have walked with Jesus. Jesus said, foxes have their holes, birds have their nests, but I have nowhere to rest my head. That means that Jesus would have slipped out among the stars, maybe more often than not, the weather would have allowed it and Peter would have been right there. What would they have spoken about? Jesus, Peter was close to Jesus. And here they are, here we are in the final few hours of Jesus' ministry before the cross. And Jesus is speaking to Peter. And I, I'm just going to read from here. The Lord's Supper has just taken place. There's just been an argument amongst the disciples about who's the greatest. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it because one of the texts says that, that they kind of stopped when Jesus asked what was going on. So they kind of knew they shouldn't have been having that conversation. But there was that kind of, let's call it sibling rivalry between them. They were brothers in arms. And here in verse 31 Jesus cuts through and speaks directly to Peter and foretells, speaks to him about one of the lowest moments that he would experience, a genuine collapse crisis of faith. And he says this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you or demands to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Wow. But verse 32, I have prayed for you. Hallelujah. Will you underline that? I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. 
Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times or until you deny three times that you know me. Wow. 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 It's amazing. This is, um, what must have that, what must have that been like to Peter? Peter's so full of his own zeal. Peter's so full of his own passion. And listen, there's nothing wrong with passion for Jesus. Yet Jesus kind of pulls back to say, Peter, you're, you're, you're going to have to experience something. You're going to have to see something about yourself. And, and I want to look at these few verses here because I think that there are some people tonight and you are fighting a battle of faith and you're about to, if you're not already, you're about to deal with some of your own failures, some of your own personal failure. And it's a difficult place to be, but there's an encouragement for you if you're facing your own failure right now, okay? If you're in a battle for your faith, there's three things you need to understand. You need to understand that you were being sifted. You need to understand that you were being prayed for and you need to understand what God wants to do through your trial. So the first thing I want to say is this. Look at Luke twenty-two thirty-one. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Let me tell you something. It is all about your faith. It is all about your faith tonight. It's not about your finances. It's not about your personal health or wealth or where you're at in any other area. Those things are all good. They're all admirable. But what matters is faith. What matters is your faith. That is what is at play in eternity. That is what connects you to God. That is what connects you to the promises of God. And the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. That is where the strife, the battles come in, in our faith walk. It is all about our faith. And here Jesus says something, Simon, you have to understand this. You have an enemy. And that enemy wants to come and sift out your faith. And now look, this word sift, I looked into it. This is what, what really blew this word open for me. It's what it means. It means to agitate from the inside, to bring something out of you that will push or try your faith to its limits. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? It'll try your faith to its limits. Nothing shakes your faith like personal failure. Isn't that true? Like an outburst. Like an outburst. Like the resurgence of an old habit. I want to speak tonight. I want to speak tonight to some of you because you've been shocked by your own behavior. I want to speak to you because you're discouraged by what's come out of your own mouth. Maybe it's towards your wife, towards your kids. Maybe you don't know, I, I don't know what it is, but I can tell you from my own life, I've been discouraged by, what, by what's come out of my mouth, by my own behavior in, in, in moments where I'm being squeezed, where I'm tired, where I'm not my best. It's amazing what appears. And when we look at Peter's story, that is exactly what happened. Peter got into a situation where, where he, he was in, a, he was in a, a situation where Jesus, Jesus had, had broken out from what he expected. Jesus wasn't doing what he thought Jesus was supposed to do. Jesus 
Jesus, you're supposed to come and, and, and lead a revolution and take the Romans out of Jerusalem and bring a kingdom to bear in Israel. Peter thought he was a part of a, a revolution. And then at, there was a point just hours after this where Jesus is, is being held and beaten by Roman guards. And Peter's theology collapses and Jesus no longer is a Jesus he recognizes. He says, I don't know the man to three people, three separate instances. And, and, and I don't think he was lying. I think that Peter literally was saying, this isn't the Christ I, 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 I imagine, the Christ I thought was, was going to come and bring this physical liberation. I never imagined a Christ come to die. I never imagined it. And for some of us, for some of us, things have gotten so far beyond what we ever could have expected or imagined, we've almost lost sight of who Jesus is. We can't see God anymore in our situation. It's gone so far, Lord. Another lockdown. Another lockdown. God, I, I thought I was getting somewhere with my kids. And now they're even worse than they were before. Lord, I thought things were getting better. Now it seems they're getting worse. And to compound it, I'm having outbursts. I'm, I'm, I, but things are coming out of me that I didn't think were in me. The Bible says that Peter began to, with oaths and curses, deny that he even knew the Lord. Isn't it amazing that when we're pressed like that, isn't it amazing when we lose sight of God in our situation, the levels of personal failure, the things that come out of us. I'm not here to condemn you tonight. I'm as guilty as the next man. The things that come out of us, the things that we say, the things that we do. And we, we, we I tell you what, it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. There's clarity in crisis. When these things come into our lives, when we're met with situations that challenge us, really challenge what we believe about God and we begin to act out, if you like, it can really bring clarity and remind us again that we are nothing more than sinners who've received grace by a wonderful saviour. It brings us back to the truth. It brings us clarity. This is the problem. And this is what I want to say. This is what I believe God is saying. God is saying, until you see the worst in yourself, you won't see the best in me. To see the worst in yourself, God allows crisis. God allows squeezing. He allows it. And I want to look at this idea of sifting in particular because the definition literally, literally is to get something on the inside of us, out of us, that will stumble us to the very edge of our faith. And discouragement is a real thing. Do you know the number one killer of Christians? It's discouragement. It's not the choice of worship. It's not hymns versus contemporary. It's not the style of preaching. It's none of those things, those highfalutin things. It's none of those things. Christians, the one thing that takes Christians out more than any is discouragement. And I want to really look at this. I want to break this down because I want you to understand that sifting is a reality and that the devil, listen, let me encourage you in it. The devil, even in your sifting, because some of you, you're, you're, you know I'm talking to you. You know that things are coming out of you that are challenging you. Things are challenging you external and internal. Well, let me tell you something right now. The devil, whilst he 
can sift, if you like, whilst he can, he can sift, he cannot touch your faith. He can touch everything else in hope that the discouragement might cause you to abandon your faith, but he can't touch your faith. He can push you to the edge, but he can't touch your faith. The Bible says in Job chapter one, that one day God assembled the sons of God before him. And there was the devil. And God spoke to the devil. He said, where have you been? He says, I've been walking to and fro across the earth. God says, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. And devil said, the devil says, well, you know, he's so blessed. He's so, everything's so good for Job. Skin for skin. You know, let me touch some things in his life. Let me touch some things in his life. Give me the authority to sift Job, to touch some things, and let's see if he's still, if, there's, if I can't get a little outburst out of Job. Let me see if I can't get Job to curse God and die. Let me see if I can't do it. But the point I want to make by saying that to you is that the devil needed permission and God gave the remit. And listen, you might, be, you might be experiencing sifting tonight. You, the devil, can only go. Sifting can only, it's, it's only in your life because God has allowed it and there is a limit to it. God will not allow this take your faith. It will not take your faith. It will not. You, you have a guarantee. And I'm going to look at this now in the text. You have a guarantee. Listen to me. Listen, I'm talking to you. If you're looking at yourself and you're saying, I'm not as far along as I thought. I'm not who I thought I was. It's a horrible feeling. God, I thought that that, that sin pattern, that failure. Lord, I thought that, that, that I was past it. I was past it. Yeah, I know. I, I thought I was past it. And then it pops up again. And the enemy comes, the accuser, he comes and he says, you thought you were making ground. You thought you were growing. You're still the same. Why bother? I'm going to tell you, whatever it is, it's in your life, but it's by permission and it's not without purpose. You see, sifting exposes what is of God, which is faith. Okay, what is you? And what is of God? So look, so exposes what is of God, faith, and what is of man, our intentions, our zeal, our passion for Jesus. It's funny, it all gets mixed up when things are going well. But these, this, these, shape, these sifting comes and it exposes what's really, what's really God in us and what's really just us. God allows, saft, and, and, and that's what happened to Peter. Peter, your zeal, your intentions, your, 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 your Jesus, I'm going to go with you to prison. Jesus never mentioned prison. I'm going to go with you to Jesus. I've been walking with you for three and a half years. I understand that it was grace at the beginning, but sure, we've, I've, I've done a few miracles. I've walked with you and we're, we're, I can ride in the front seat now. We're partners and we're doing this thing together. And Jesus had to say no. Peter it's the same as it's always been God all oh, God allows these things in he allows them in and listen you're his child you're his child 
There's nothing he, I'm not being trivial when I say he allows in difficulty. You are his child. He died for you. That means if he's allowed it into your life, it is very carefully released for a season, for a purpose, and then he'll take it away again when the job is done because you're his child. But God allows it to expose wrong foundations. Peter's confidence was in himself and in a Christ of his imagination. God had to expose that. So we hide, our, we hide it well, don't we? I'm so passionate for the Lord. I'm passionate and I'm doing this for God. I'm doing that for God. And I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And then the church doors close and, and everything closes and we're left with our Bible and our personal faith walk. And some of us, it's been hard. Because, because we have built on things that aren't the grace of Jesus. We hide them well, but they are blockers to resurrection, life and power. Listen, only what is refined gets through the mesh of the sieve. That means so when, when that shaking happens, it's only what, it's only what is of him that, that, remit, that, that gets through that sieve, that shaking. It's only what is of him. The devil purposed it for evil. The devil wanted to do harm, but God has allowed, taken that very shaking and used it to refine and reveal what he's put inside of you. What a glorious God. What an amazing gospel. Your faith will remain. Luke 22 verse 32. And this, this, folks, this excites me, okay? This excites me. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So what is Jesus saying? Satan has planned, but I have prayed. Satan has his plans, but I have prayed. Your faith will be tested, but it will not fail. It will not fail. Do you know that Jesus is interceding for your faith? Your faith is the focus of his prayers. Can we take a minute? He's praying for your faith. You need to know whose hands your faith is in tonight. Your faith will hold because he's holding you. And look at this. This, this touched me. Jesus says, I prayed for you. Well, you look at that word. This is wonderful. It means I've bound myself to you. I have bound myself to you. Satan is accusing you. Satan is throwing your failure in your face. Satan is accusing you to bring you into the dirt and heap discouragement on you. But listen, where you go, I go because I'm bound to you. And even at the bottom, I'm with you. I'm bound to you. That word means bound to you. It means wound or bound up, knitted to you. It actually suggests marriage. I'm married to you. We're one, you and me and me and you. And because we're one, I can be with you at the bottom in the depths of your failure. And because we're one, you can be with me in the very seated in majesty. You and me together. I am where you are and you are where I am. I've prayed for you. I've beseeched the throne for you. Listen, I've got three examples I, I just want to get through. Hopefully we have time on the intercession of Jesus 
because I think it's amazing. The first one is in Exodus. I want to look at three characters very, very quickly. One is Moses. Moses, I'm just going to read. It's only a verse, if that. Moses, the, the, the Israelites have created the golden calf. You know the story. I won't get into it. They've created that golden calf. Uh, that failure has happened. Uh, that national failure has happened. And listen, Moses intercedes for the people. Listen to this. The next day, verse 30, 32, 30 of Exodus. The next day, Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, the people have sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves a God, gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin. But listen, listen to Moses praying for the people. But if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. Amazing. What's Moses saying? God, take me instead. Take me instead. The people have sinned but I'll stand in the gap for them. Punish me instead of them. Yeah. Folks, you understand that that is exactly what Jesus, that is exactly the covenant truth of the gospel, that Jesus stood before the Father and said, they have sinned, but take me instead. They have sinned, but blot out, their, blot out my name so that their name can be written in crucify me outside the gates so that they can be brought in to the most holy place. Deal with me rather than deal with them. Amazing. That is what Jesus has said. This is the, the prayers of Christ for us. Now look, I'm going to quickly turn here to Exodus 29. And I'm going to talk very, very quickly about the... Um, about the, the, the Aaronic priesthood. Don't worry if you don't fully understand what that is. I'm just going to read it really quick. They're priests who used to go in and they used to serve before God in the old tabernacle and temple in the old times, during the times of Jesus before the cross. Okay, and they would stand before God as priests and represent the people to God. They were representatives. Okay. And so listen to this. They wore certain clothing and look, verse nine, 28, verse nine uh, of Exodus, you shall take two onyx stones and grave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on one stone and the names of the remaining six on another stone in order of their birth. And look at this, 12, and the stones, and, and, and you should set these two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod, which is kind of the, 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 let's call it the outfit of the priest, okay? As stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for remembrance. I want you to get this picture of a priest taking the names of God's children into the presence of God and bearing them before the Lord bearing them so that God might remember them, so that God might look favorably on them, so that God might look on them with favor, okay? And now look at this here, verse 29. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastplate of judgment on his heart. The priest would have the names of the children of God on his heart before the Lord. Do you know Jesus has your name on his heart before God for all time? The last passage I want to show you is this. It's in Isaiah 49. 
verse 16. 15. This is God speaking. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even if these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Hallelujah. Listen, listen. Here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. You see that priest back in, back in the old times, he could take off that ephod. And Jesus has come now. And now the ephod in the gospel, in the New Testament, in the new covenant is written on the hands of Christ. Our names written with those nails forever. He's bound himself to us forever. We are written on his hands. There's no taking them off. Your names are on his hands and he's forever in the father's presence, never to forget you, never to forsake you, never ever to forsake you, but to to call out your name before God forever. I want you to imagine the crucified son of God with his hands before the father saying your name at the lowest points of your life, at the weakest moments of your life, at the darkest times of your life. His hands are ever before. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And look, it says, your walls are ever before me. The walls of faith, the scriptures teach that we are protected by faith for the last times. The walls of faith are ever before me. Your faith is ever my concern. Your faith is ever my workmanship. Amazing, amazing. This is your confidence in crisis, that your faith may not fail. The root of your faith, he has bound himself to me. My faith matters to Jesus. He's holding on to me, preserving the work of faith in my life. This, sh this shaking, this sifting will not snuff out my faith. A man, I heard a, a famous preacher say once, a man is only as strong as his prayer life. Well, folks, I, I, with respect, I want to amend that tonight. A man is only as strong as his prayer life. His prayer life. Because there are days when you can't lift up a prayer before God and you need to know that he's lifting up prayers on your behalf. There are days where you can't open your mouth. Days where you can't form a sentence where the discouragements and failures are heaping on you. You need to know tonight, Jesus is praying for you. He is praying for you. Amazing. When you don't have the strength to send up a prayer, to hold on, he's praying, always pleading, always calling out your name. Folks, it's his fire. It's his fire. He is, he is the keeper of your faith. My name is on his heart. My name is engraved in his hands. My walls, the faith that protects my life are ever before him. He lifts up his hands before the Father to plead for our faith. The enemy's accusations have to fall to the ground. Look, Father, as if to say, look, Father, a death has occurred, a payment has been made. And then the Father acts according to the covenant he made with his son. I'll never turn from you, it says in Ezekiel 39, 29. I'll never turn from you. I've promised. I'll never cast you off. I have dealt with your sin and now I'm praying with your, for your faith.
I said, I've dealt with your sin and now I'm praying for your faith. He's not accusing you tonight. Do you know that? Do you know that? Do you know that? He's not, the voice of accusation is not, it's not the Lord. It's not the Lord. Bible says in John 16, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit has got three ministries to the world, three to the church. To the world, it's to convict that it's, it's a part of the world is, is to convict it of sin and righteousness and judgment. But for the church, it's to lead us into, 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 into all that Christ is. It's to speak of the future. Let us know what is to come. It's to make much of Jesus. And so the spirit is always pointing to the son. Your crisis, well, your, the devil wants your crisis to become about what you have done. The Holy Spirit wants your crisis to become about what he has done for you. And just, just to close, Jesus says, because I've prayed, you will rise. You'll go down, but you'll rise. When you've turned again, which means this won't derail you. It's a detour, not a destination. You're bound to an indestructible life. Isaiah 46 verse 4. I love this. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnants of the house of Israel who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age I am he, and to grey hairs I will carry you. That's wonderful. I'll carry you to old age. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and I will save. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you is faithful to bring it com to completion. He'll complete the work in you. When you rise, you don't have to be afraid of the grave. You don't have to be afraid that you're going to stay in your situation. You don't have to be afraid of the grave because you're not staying there. That's the promise of your faith. That's the outcome of your faith, that you would overcome the world. That's the outcome that God has, God has promised us if we abide and continue to abide in him. And finally, he says this, you go, you be a strength to your brothers. So for us, where does this end? God wants you to know that at the end of this journey, you can take the comfort you've received and comfort other people. That's why God wants you to extend that ministry of peace and comfort and faith and hope beyond your situation to other peoples. Don't let condemnation, don't let suffering shut your mouth. Don't let it shut your mouth. Bring the comfort of God to others. Tell them, that he loved them and he's not holding his sins against them. I'm not holding it against you. I love you. I nailed it to the tree. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Let's pray. I just want to pray now. But Pastor Nick, would you, would you come? I trust you just encouraged tonight, church, to know that he's praying for you and that he loves you and you can hold on. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. I understand why you struggle tonight. Yeah. Because uh, you brought a word from the Lord for us. And this word, you have to receive it, Christian. You have to receive it into your heart before you can actually bring it to another person. This has been a word for the Lord for all of us, myself included, tonight. I'm so delighted I've been at service tonight to hear this word. It's been reassuring and uh, healing to me. 
but we have to embrace that and say this is the truth of the covenant this is the truth of God's word that he upholds us he's married to us he's committed to us and when we receive it then friends the victory comes it will come and the encouragement will, will be flowing from us to other people so Father Lord as we just thank you tonight Lord as we just thank you Lord for these reassuring words that came from heaven to your servant Lord we thank you tonight Lord that we can just Lord wholeheartedly Lord embrace Lord your kindness again and your steadfast love Lord the way you have borne us Lord God not just temporarily as the old priest did Lord you've engraved us in the palms of your hand you ever live to make intercession for us you stand for us and as us and Lord, yet, Lord, and our weaknesses and our many failures, Lord God, and though the devil will try to make much mischief of it, Father, you pray for our faith. What an awesome thought tonight, Lord. And because you have prayed, Lord God, your prayer is always heard, Lord. And we thank you, Lord God, that we can leave this house tonight, Lord. We can leave this service tonight knowing, Father, that we are received and we are loved, Lord God. And we are, Lord God, we are secure, Lord Jesus. We are defended. We are, Lord God, cared for, Lord Jesus. We're not abandoned. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray right now for whoever's watching, God, who may still be struggling, Lord God, that they will not think it's for just for others, Lord. It's for all who are far off. And I pray, God, you just touch them, Lord. You release that sense, Lord, of your presence again. That they will sense you, and, and, and Lord, they will know that you're near. God, we bless you tonight. Thank you for being with us here in Court Church. Thank you for ministering to every life, Lord. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.